Well, Jericho is staring Joshua in the face with its imposing, impenetrable walls towering over him. Believe me, folks, this was a fortified city, if there ever was one, armed with all the sophisticated weaponry they had back then. And the scripture says it was shut up. It was in lockdown because they knew that at any time the Israelites were going to attack. Jericho, this impregnable city, more than any other obstacle, was standing between Joshua and the people of God, preventing them from occupying the land that God had promised to them. And if you know the the story, you know that if they could take Jericho, this city, then the rest of the land was sure to follow. I wonder what the equivalent of Jericho might be in your life today, in your ministry. You know, what, what is it right now that's keeping you from your promised land? We all have them, don't we? Imposing obstacles that stand in the way. Yours may relate to your job, your finances, your ministry, your, your marriage, your children, your relationships, your, your physical health, a, a kind of a transition place that you might be in or a stage of life that you're journeying through. But we, but we all have them, don't we? Hey, turn to your neighbor right now and say, we all have our Jerichos. Well, as the old African-American spiritual says, Joshua fit the battle of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. They certainly did, didn't they? The Bible says they fell down flat, as flat as a pancake, or maybe as a tortilla, or maybe as a chapati, depending on where I am. But Joshua... Joshua seemed to make it look easy. How'd that happen anyway? Uh, what did he do to win this battle? Well, you see, I know the answer to that. He told the people to march around the city for seven days, and then on the seventh day, you know, they marched around the city seven times, and then they blew the trumpets, and everybody shouted, and, well, that's what they did, and the walls came tumbling down. But actually... There's more to it than that. And something had to happen to Joshua first. Before Joshua could tell the people what to do, God had to work on him. And it's that part of the story, actually, that I want us to focus on this morning because I think it is so relevant to us, particularly those of us in Christian ministry who are called, like Joshua, to lead the people of God. I like to think of this as the backstory of ministry. The backstory. No one ever sees it. And no one hardly ever asks us about it. But it's so crucial, so essential. It, it, folks, it really determines everything that follows. And I have found in my many years of ministry that this, this backstory gets played out again and again and again in my life as I face Jericho walls 
that confront me. When Joshua was near Jericho, the scripture says, he looked up and saw a man standing before him with a drawn sword in his hand. The first thing that had to happen to Joshua, Joshua had to look up. He looked up, and I want you to particularly notice where he was when he did this. It says he was near Jericho. That means it wasn't far off in the distance. It wasn't behind him, something he was walking away from, but it was looming right next to him, right there in front of him, Jericho staring him in the face. And yet he looked up. Don't miss that. Because so often in Christian ministry, our Jerichos are like that too. I mean, you, you, you can't get away from them. They're right there in front of you, day in and day out. You can't keep but to think about them. They get your attention. They're in your face. And as they say, whatever gets your attention gets you and has a way of consuming you. And the more you think about it and the, fo- the more you focus on it, the bigger it gets and the more overwhelming it gets and the more it weighs you down and the more it keeps you from thinking about anything else. But notice, Joshua looked up and saw. And in order to do that, he had to turn his attention away from Jericho. That was the first thing he did. And I wonder if that's what you need to do right now. Your eyes, your attention is so fixed on your Jericho, you're like somebody walking around with a smartphone. You know, your eyes are so locked in on it, so glued to it, that you're not looking at anything else or anyone else. So turn away right now. Look up and see. Let me just say that the reason I attend worship services like this and the reason that I read scripture every day and the reason that I pray and spend time with Jesus every day and the reason that I meet with other Christians in a, in a Wesleyan band group and other forms of small group and the reason that I keep Sabbath each week, and the reason that I have a rule of life, you know, it's not just an assignment in vocation of ministry. It's because, in effect, all these things help me to look up. They help me to look up, which is one of the hardest things I have to do day in, day out, in ministry. We need to look up, don't we? Hey, turn to your neighbor right now and say, I I need to look up. (laughs) Joshua looked up and he saw a man standing before him with a drawn sword in his hand, the scripture says. Now, who was this man anyway? Well, well, we're not told his name. We're just told he had a drawn sword 
in his hand. That means he had a sword and he, he was ready for battle and the sword wasn't in its sheath. This was no concealed weapon. It was drawn and in his hand, he was armed and dangerous. Uh, Joshua could figure out that much about him, but who exactly was he? Anyway, well, Old Testament scholars like Michael Heiser uh, suggest that what we have here is an appearance of the angel of Yahweh, the angel of the Lord, a visible manifestation of Yahweh who, you know, shows up at various times and in various places to people in the Old Testament. But over the centuries, as Christians, commentators and theologians and preachers have, have reflected on this passage, and as they have tended to read the Old Testament in the light of the New Testament, they've also suggested that what we have here could be an appearance of Christ, the pre-existent Son of God to Joshua. Theologians have a fancy word for this. They call it not a theophany, but a Christophany. A Christophany. Jesus, pre-incarnate, shows up here before the Word becomes flesh and dwells among us from time to time. Who was that fourth guy, by the way, in the lion, in, in the fiery furnace? Well, Joshua, he hadn't read Michael Heiser and <laughs> Joshua just saw this man standing before him and he knows, uh, he didn't know who he was. He, he just knows this guy is ready to fight. He's ready for battle. And since he's got a battle to fight and he knows he needs all the help he can get, he just wants to know one thing. Whose side is this guy on? Is he on our side or is he on their side? Or as we would say here in Kentucky, are you for us or are you against us? But when he asks him, Joshua doesn't get the answer he was hoping for or expecting. Instead, Joshua gets this firm, uncomfortable pushback that stops him in his, in his tracks. Neither, says the man, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. In other words, Joshua, you wanted to know if I was on your side or, thy, or their side, and you were hoping that I would say I was on your side because you know you need help, man. Hey, man, you're in over your head. You're out of your depth, and you know it, and you've got Jericho facing you, and you were thinking that if I said I was on your side, then you could tell me what to do. You could give me orders because you're the commander-in-chief of, of Israel's army, and I would just fall in, you know, and help you deal with it and make it go away, and then we could all go home and live happily ever after. But no, that's not what I've come to do. I haven't come here, Joshua, to take sides. I've come here to take over. Forget about whose side I'm on. The real question, Joshua, is whose side you're on. I haven't come to put myself at your disposal so that you can accomplish your agenda. No, I've come here to accomplish my agenda. I want you at my disposal. 
guess what, Joshua? You're not in charge here anymore. I am. I'm the commander-in-chief now. Well, that answer stops Joshua dead in his tracks, and he realized he's asked the wrong question. So what about you? Have you been asking the wrong question? Why have you, why, why aren't you fighting for me, Lord? Why won't, why won't you help me with this Jericho, Lord? Why won't you fix this for me, Jesus? Why won't you make this Jericho go away? Hey, we all do that with Jesus, don't we? We try to use him to get what we want. And we end up treating him like a pharmacist who fills our prescriptions when we've got aches and pains, or like an interior decorator when we know we need a home makeover. Jesus stands before us today, and he says, no, that's not why I've come. Not so you can tell me what to do, but so I can tell you what to do. As commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Can I say that again? Because I think there's someone here that needs to hear that. As commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. How does Joshua respond to this abrupt, jarring answer answer he got? Listen to what the Scripture says. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped. And he said to him, What do you command your servant, my Lord? Joshua fell on his face. He surrendered. His his question changed from, are you here to help me, to what can I do to help you? Joshua fell on his face. Do you need to fall on your face this morning? Do you need to change your prayer? Forgive me, Lord. Take my Jericho. You fix it. You resolve it as you see fit. And Lord, use me to accomplish that, however you will. I wonder, do you need to stop telling God what you want and start asking God what God wants? Joshua fell on his face. And you know, before the walls of Jericho could fall down, Joshua had to fall down. Do you need to fall on your face to surrender? To start praying the Lord's Prayer and really mean it? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done as earth as on earth as it is in heaven.
Hey, turn to your neighbor and say, I need to fall on my face. In the presence of the man with a drawn sword, Joshua fell on his face. But notice what he did next. Verse 15 of the text says, The commander of the army of the Lord said to Joshua, Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. This is kind of strange, isn't it? First Joshua looks up, then he falls down. Now he takes off his shoes. And probably not what Joshua expected. I mean, he's just said, what do you command your servant, my Lord? In other words, hey, I'll do whatever you ask. Just tell me, you're the commander in chief now. I understand that. And if you're a military man like Joshua was and you know there's going to be a battle to fight, you're probably expecting to be given an order to carry out that has to do with preparing for battle. But instead of being told to get his boots on and put the troops on alert, the first order Joshua gets is, soldier, take off your boots. The place where you're standing is holy. And that's odd. The commander of the Lord's army calls Joshua to worship first, not to war. Before you attack, you need to learn to adore. He calls him to stand and wait in the presence of God. Slow down, Joshua. Take your shoes off. I'm here. Be still and know that I am God. Jericho can wait. This is always the order in the spiritual battle of ministry, folks. First we ascend to worship. Then we descend into war. Because you see, worship causes our God to get bigger. Not, not, not literally but bigger in our eyes. We, we, we see him when we worship. We begin to see him for who he always was and is and is to come. And we're captured by his overwhelming beauty and his loveliness and his power and his justice and his goodness and his strength and his love. And do you know what happens when that happens? When we've been in his presence, getting a fresh glimpse of who he is, then instead of complaining, telling God how big our problems are, we start proclaiming, telling our problems how big our God is. Say to your neighbor, Jericho can wait. I need to take off my shoes. Well, there you have it, folks. The backstory. Look up. Take your eyes off Jericho. Look to me. Fall down. Don't tell me what I need to do for you. Ask me what 
you can do for me. Take off your shoes. Worship me. Adore me. Be still and know that I am God. And that backstory is going to be played out in your life and mine over and over and over again. Oh, he's here this morning, the risen, reigning Lord Jesus, the man with a sword in his hand. I wonder this morning as we close our service and want to invite the band to come, um, if you just need to spend some time looking up or falling down or taking off your shoes. We have some folks here, some faculty and others that are uh, love to pray with you as you come to this altar for prayer. If uh, maybe you just maybe just maybe you just want to be alone. But if, if, if you'd like prayer, would you just sort of put your hands out and let us know? We'd love to pray for you. Why don't we stand and let's worship. The Lord's speaking to you. You be obedient and come.